0: And hello everybody welcome to a thursday night edition of narrative live it's good to be with you tonight we have a really big show lots to cover tonight hello eric garland how are you hello zeb shaleb it's nice to see your face today you seem in a pretty good mood is there a reason why you're so chipper today well, I just love the smell of uh, federal indictments in the morning, ah. can I tell you? And there were some interesting ones that came down today, and we're going to go through them. Oh, there. yeah. Especially in your backyard, oh, yeah. St. Louis over there. So that's going to be oh. uh, really interesting to talk about. We're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. Plus, you know, the queen is having her platinum jubilee, which means she's been around for a long time. 70 years, probably too long for anybody, but there you go. She, there she was, 70 years as the reigning monarch. We'll explain what it means that she's leaving, if she's leaving, when she's leaving, because she almost certainly is leaving. But as uh, this is probably the start of her very, very long goodbye, you know, what happens next? What happens when King Charles steps onto the throne there? And what are the implications for the rest of the world? There's lots to talk about there. And there's interesting ties, you know, I finally found the ties between that royal family and the Russian royal family, the Romanovs. And we should talk about that, but you're not gonna give it away yet, later. And uh, also, she's finally gone talk about a long goodbye. You know, it was certainly a long time for Sheryl Sandberg at Facebook. We have all heard stories about Sheryl Sandberg, some of it of her own making, and many of those are completely manufactured. And then some of us who've dug a little further have discovered some other things about Sheryl Sandberg that are worthy of your knowledge. And we are going to talk a little bit about her origin story. How exactly did she become the COO of Facebook? And what exactly did she do there as the social media guru at Facebook? We have lots to talk about there. And it all goes back to Harvard it. You all remember the Winklevoss twins and that movie, The Social Network. Well, that's the story we're going to retell a little bit with a new look at how Sheryl Sandberg got to be the COO of uh, Facebook. So that's all ha, in the next hour. Let's begin with your big story out of St. Louis, because tell everyone why you're so interested in corruption, particularly in your backyard there
1: because it slaps you in the face every morning when you wake up you know bottom line this is an incredibly corrupt place there's a lot of different places that have uh organized crime and sort of uh, you know an audacious even arrogant elite that is pretty sure it can buy its way out of whatever but i think there are very few places where the corruption is so very entrenched and sure of itself as st louis missouri been living here 12 years and you know have we all have to navigate the corruption, whether it's uh, you know paying taxes, buying a house, anything with courts, uh, the police, you may have seen Ferguson, You know it's just kind of ambient here. But there's some things breaking through, and they always help, and those are federal indictments. Now, we've had a couple in the past, like the county executive would be essentially the mayor here. A guy named Steve Stanger went down for bribery and honest services fraud. But it was kind of limited prosecution, The the verbatims in the charging documents were Hilarious, in the sense that you know he's bragging about uh, handing out pra- patronage jobs because he wanted to kiss up to a local billionaire named Rex Sinkerfield. Rex there Singerfield. There's a villain called Rex Singerfield in the story. I didn't. didn't I didn't uh, say villain. I said villain. <laughs> Just because
0: it's it a pretty like good a, villain name. It's a pretty good villain um, name. I'm going to write that down and put it in a book sometime in the future well, because that's a well. Name. <laughs>
1: It's funny because Rex is going to play into this story here, and he's not on the indictments or mentioned the way he is in the Stenger indictments from 2019, but he came back. He's from here originally, went out, uh, formed uh, Dimensional Partners, I think it is, Uh, you know, one of the oldest and most successful hedge funds, ran out of California, moved back here in 2006 and just started buying up the political class, you know starting nonprofits and you know backing all these candidates overtly and covertly. In the Stenger indictments of 2019, we found out that he had run a bunch of his donations to this guy Stenger through the Carpenters Union, which is a straw donor scheme and is illegal. So the Carpenters Union, one of the presidents, I forget if it's from that local or if it's the whole shooting match, Laufenberg in New York, New Jersey, he just this morning with the Carpenters Union Uh, switched his plea in federal court because he's indicted. He switched his plea from not guilty to guilty this morning. Uh, The Carpenters Union in St. Louis about September of last year disappeared entirely. They shut it down. All the people that were members of the Carpenters Union became part of the local in Chicago. Basically the organization's gone. There are reports that some very influential people were in tears when that happened because they feared the ramifications of it, and I think we're about to find out why. So, let me see um, if I've got what? it right. So, you've got uh, the carpenters' union; they're
0: uh, basically donating funds into a politician's, you know, campaign that is
1: really from a billionaire. Is that what you're saying? Billionaire Rex Sinkfield. That's right. Right. right okay. Yeah. And uh, that's all well known. You know, Why wasn't he indicted quickly for that? I mean, because it was in the federal charging documents. It's like if you saw in a federal charging document that somebody intentionally set fire to a place, you go, hey, that's arson. How right. come no one's picked that guy up? But these things are complicated, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so now the but, carpenters union head has flipped
0: and he's now saying he's guilty and no okay. longer not guilty. So that's an indication. Uh, that's,
1: that's right. So Maybe he's cooperating. That was this morning, and then there was a notice that went out that there was going to be a hearing of public interest happening at the Eagleton Federal Building downtown St. Louis, and it was to announce the indictment of three individuals here, John Collins Muhammad, Jeffrey Boyd, and Louis Reed. Louis Reed is the president of the Board of Aldermen. Of the city of st. Louis so there's different governments between uh, the city and the county so it's about three hundred thousand ish in the city a million in the county they they work together you know but uh, they have separate governments and this is a bribery scandal and it's kind of it's just really amazing and it becomes it's a federal matter if you check the first uh, little uh, paragraph there talking about you know any government any that takes ten thousand dollars worth of assistance from the feds falls under federal jurisdiction if there's any corruption going on in it. So think about how much funding goes out in general, but how many different governments maybe that never would have taken quite that much federal assistance, like smaller towns or places that people go to commit crimes in because there's not a lot of uh, you know, accountability. Mm. Uh, well, that COVID aid may have pushed them over the limit to where they're now in federal crosshairs if they mm. happen to be harboring uh, public corruption. So that's just very interesting. It is interesting. I haven't even made it all the way through this thread yet. I have to stop for Gatorade and to take a break and <laughs> tunnel because there's just so much good stuff. But here, this ties these three individuals all are on the St. Louis Board of Aldermen. Uh, they get to make a bunch of the policy decisions, especially around economic development and construction and. You know, the basic deal here is they were taking a whole slew of cash bribes to, you know, they were selling tax abatement. There are programs to where, you know, you don't have to pay taxes on your construction project or dramatically reduces them. And basically, if you, you know, hand them bags with $10,000 in it, they will get you one of these. And oh, so, so classic uh, sort of construction corruption, if I could say that quickly. Um, classic yeah. construction corruption and you know we'd had a little construction corruption uh, you know indictment here a few weeks ago a guy named brian cowart senior who was a coo of a major very old line construction company here he got federal charges for wire fraud of doing there are a bunch of shell companies that are owned by uh people of color and those are at the fronts for add up to a certain number of minority uh business entity, MBEs, they call it, so that you can, you know, you qualify for uh, to win the bid on construction. Apparently, this construction firm had a series of LLCs that it was just a pass through, it was a fraud. These right. these weren't really minority owned businesses, they got a cut. And it was really just going to the regular old. Um, so we're seeing this everywhere. I mean, would you point out about St.
0: Louis is that it's almost like a, it's a very typical kind of red state where there has been a lot of institutional corruption for a very long time
1: this is a blue city
0: city. don't fall into that trap these are all democrats here okay these are democrats that's fine it doesn't matter which but it's a red state isn't it
1: you know the electorate has voted more for the republican party and they dump a whole lot of propaganda in here so yeah it's more this used to be a very classic swing state where whoever missouri voted for that's who won the presidency and that departed in around 2004 i think uh, and has only gotten more intense. Yeah, because we um, point out on the show all the time, it, uh, corruption is not just a one-party
0: thing. It belongs to both parties. It belongs to politics in general. You'll find it everywhere. But the idea here, I guess, is I'm saying, this is quite typical of what's happening in some of those red states. Maybe it's happening in every state, but it feels like they are, this is more endemic in some red states where you're wait. seeing some of this kind of uh, institutionalized long-term corruption.
1: Well, I got to push back on you, because remember, Illinois, my man, Illinois is a blue, blue state (laughs) that's run by Democrats. And four of the last five governors of Illinois have gone to prison, Mm, like the typical. career path of an Illinois governor is penitentiary. Right. That's unlike any other state that's, right. Uh, right. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Blagojevich was one of many to go to prison in our lifetimes. It's I will withdraw hilarious. my statement then
0: because you're absolutely right. Let's finish up here. What else do we need to know about this particular uh, corruption scheme and
1: how it, you really took money out of the pockets of your residents in Missouri. Well, I mean, you know, it's cheating people out of a tax base. Is like these politicians, they put cash in their pocket, and then the city doesn't get the tax base because they've given a, a fraudulent tax abatement. So, you know, that's why it's a crime. Mm. And there's a couple of things that are interesting here. One is the guy who appears to have been the John Doe who handed out all the bribes is a guy named Muhammad Al-Mutan. Now, I already knew his name because-
0: Is he was here this- on these slides? I see him anywhere here. Is this- I see this. He obviously has- just tell me where to go, uh, this, up or down on the- uh,
1: Actually, where you get to me in the all caps yelling. Uh, oh. So scroll down until it's in all caps, like, Ye- you know, cause I haven't done this in a while. Uh, cause you know, there's been a lot of serious stuff to talk about, yelling, but this is yelling. like, just so hilarious to me cause- Oh wow, this is a this great thread. People
0: have to be like really spend some, I see you here in all caps,
1: there we go. This guy, Mohammed Almutan, this was part of a cigarette arbitrage, drug dealing, and money laundering conspiracy charge that was started in 2017, That was filed in twenty seventeen. Uh, you know, they hadn't gone to trial. He was out on his own recognizance apparently, and was continuing to operate businesses in the St. Louis area. And bribe officials who, as late as 2020, 2021, were taking giant bags of cash from a guy who was awaiting sentencing from the US Attorney's Office, from the judge, from the the feds were all over him. it's like, guys, this is a man who wants to cut his sentence down. And if he's wearing a wire to put you in prison, he doesn't spend as much time in prison. And this is not a secret. The guys, the, he's the top one, and his alias Abu Ali. Look, this is supposed to be okay. We talk about red state, blue state. This yeah. is also supposed to be a really racist place, too, right? Yeah. Well, you know. Well, then who's doing business with a guy named Abu Ali? You know, real name yeah. Mohammed Almutan, and everybody on there, a bunch of you know Arabs, and they were and they were buying cigarettes in states where it's cheaper uh, because of the taxes, and then they were selling them on the street in places where there's higher taxes. That's frequently, by the way, terrorist financing, Mm -hmm. and Hezbollah was busted for doing that in around this part of the world. So I don't know. This could be a Hezbollah cell, but they seem this Al Mutan character seems to have done a great service because he was clearly wearing a wire and going around and being very specific about well. So how much should we bribe your friend? Oh, I think ten thousand will be great. Oh, so I should bribe him ten thousand U.S. dollars (laughs) so he does what I want. Yes, that's. I mean, and everyone is so when you read the verbatim's. Everybody here in St. Louis is just, so yeah, of course, you just bribe people that, you know, and. So it's like it's, Africa, it's, basically. It's like Africa
0: or Eastern Europe. It's, it's, they uh, have,
1: no, nah, they'd be like, mm, you know, send me a card deck, uh, you know, yeah. five bananas. I mean, yeah. I actually, I don't know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. This is, it doesn't matter what it's like.
0: It is what it is, and it's right there in St. Louis.
1: But this Lewis Reed character who is still, he didn't uh, resign by press time tonight. But, you know, he's the president of the Board of Aldermen, and he's been key to uh, some things. I believe uh, he was, I think he was working with Breck Sinkerfield around the privatization of the airport, mm. which would have, I think, started flights to Beijing, like, daily. Ah. It kind of looked like it was going to be a human trafficking hub is basically wow. uh, what was up. And uh, there's corruption allegations about how the airport privatization was going because they canceled it all of a sudden. And they also stopped uh, a, an effort to merge city and county where this guy, Steve Stenger, would have been the unelected Metro mayor for five years without an election. Oh, wow. Post 2016. I mean, there's some weird stuff here. The dictator here, of here. all St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> and Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, so here's where this goes. We've yeah. pierced in this city. We have pierced through the concept that, oh, no, no. If you're on the in with the powerful people, you're going to avoid consequences. And that's why they're just like, oh, yeah, 10 grand, five grand here. Should I bring extra money for your friend to bribe him? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's just how it works, which leads to some other implications you might think of like, well, huh. So they're not afraid of any prosecutor hearing about it. One would imagine they're not afraid of a judge hearing about it. Is that because they're taking envelopes at the same time? Uh, Why is that? That would be my guess,
0: right? Wouldn't that be a guess that if no one's
1: scared of any enforcement, then everybody must be in on it? I mean, the Steve Stenger, who went down for corruption and bribery, he was supported by a lot of the different uh, law and order types in town. So, but, you know, he was gone for a couple of years and then he's back. And, uh, Yeah, obviously, you know, you look at the dates of these things. Look, they decided, okay, give us the cash, but no, then write the checks to my political action committee, and I'll get it that way. It's in the verbatims there, which is interesting. You look at the date that that happened was like June of 2020. I know because I'm a riding pacer all the time here. Another alderman by the name of Larry Arnowitz, who passed away before he was tried and sentenced, he was indicted for mail fraud for, you know, paying himself cash out of his uh, campaign account, which is legal. So there had actually been federal charges against a politician here for screwing around with this campaign account 12 weeks before these guys are like, oh, just take the bag of cash at the grocery store and then put it into the check, send it to me, and we're all good. They think the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office are like the tooth fairy, like something you heard about. Maybe you believed in at one point, but no, I that's maybe that's exactly the old FBI. Like. It seems like the new FBI and the new
0: yeah. Department of Justice are quite busy. I mean, we just heard before we started the show that Peter Navarro uh, was talking to Ari Melber in a kind of a hilarious interview. But interestingly enough, he basically confirms there's a grand jury impaneled to investigate January the 6th in the DOJ because he's been uh, called for that. So, you know, it seems that there might be a grand jury investigating Jan six, which might include no, the shit. president of the United <laughs> States of America. I mean, that seems to be... Seems to be what's going on. So you <laughs> yeah. know, if anyone thinks that this is you know a some sort of sweetheart uh, DOJ run by some
1: sold out uh, Attorney General, you are wrong. This is going to oh, be you a- mean we shouldn't fire Merrick Garland because he didn't put our favorite bad guy in handcuffs? No, well not yet. But he hasn't
0: done it yet. Well, but we should have fired. Fa-
1: <laughs> well, look, I mean, you know, all politics is local. Yeah. For me, yeah. you know, if you put Donald Trump as a problem, yeah, but I'd much rather that you put the guys around here in prison, just so their buddies here think twice before defrauding me and my neighbors. But it's also like so, it's a all, it's all kind of cancer. You
0: know, corruption is a cancer. It comes into your politics. It comes into your government, and it, it starts pretty small, and it doesn't seem to affect that many people, and it's, you sort of shrugs their shoulder. But as we've seen in America and elsewhere, it has a way of corrupting everything, and it gets ultimately mm-hmm. corrupts the entire system, and that's what we're seeing. So, you know, Agreed. no matter whether it's small or on you know, a federal level or wherever it is, it's got to be stopped, and it's got to be. A, you can't have any uh, room for it at all. You've got to be completely a tolerance policy around corruption in everywhere, in every level of government, no matter where it is, because it just keeps
1: catching on. You know, it's yep, get, get cut it out, cut out the corruption. Is it illegal? Go to prison. Yeah, you know, out of the law. Just you know, but a ten thousand foot view here, hundred thousand foot view, and then we move on. You know, if you look at when the Russian mafia climbed into the United States in the nineties, really in the eighties. Refusnik period, which may come up in one of our other stories here, Right. Nice. you know, you got a bunch of Russians that go to New York and end up rolling La Cosa Nostra there and just changing how it works. And Russia becomes a state that is a run by the mafia itself, which had never really happened on a grand scale like that. And you know, perhaps if you go back to the prosecutions of like. 80s and early 90s, there was a lot of taken down, you know, organized crime, even in places like St. Louis. But so it's been like 30 years where maybe a lot of the mob stuff had a big counterintelligence angle and then a lot of money, which leads to, you know, potential corruption. And then the, you know, people get away with more partially because, you know, maybe people are bought off who are supposed to be watching them. or. Uh, there's a counterintelligence angle. We have to know what they're up to, but then it's like sepsis. It's like the bacteria grows and almost kills the host. But you get 30 years of slowing down on prosecuting these kinds of crimes, and it creates this culture where, well, shit, if nobody's been gone down for this kind of thing in 25 years. I'm good yep. until the point that you're not. Can it's my institutional memory. Yeah. Well, and now these people are, you know, we have people here in St. Louis who are willing to do bribery deals with people who are under federal indictment for for major an 86 count indictment involving drug trafficking. They're like, sure, I'll take the money. Great. I'm glad you're that stupid. It's going to make this a lot easier. Justice Day is coming for you.
0: Thank you for spending your time with Narrative and stay tuned. There's much more to this conversation in our next episode. Narrative is made possible by viewers and listeners like you who join at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Join today and support truly independent journalism. patreon.com forward slash narrative.